And one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 54. Um, yeah, I don't have anything clever to say. We passed the one year mark, so it's just another number. Let's move on. Yep. We, we got some uh, some topics, and the topics I had for this morning are honestly just all gaming related. Um, so for the first bit, it's going to be that. Uh, segment two, we did do movie night this week. Um, Gotta, we? Yeah, yeah, we watched yesterday, remember? Yesterday? Yesterday. No, 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 the movie is called Yesterday, you dumbass. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember watching everything yesterday. Oh, I see. And then um, uh, segment three, we're finally, I finally finished the uh, Red Rising trilogy, so we're going to be talking about uh, Morningstar. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll get the whole review into one segment this time around instead of spreading it out over two, because there's there's more ideas we got for future segment threes. Exactly. Uh, but without yeah, without going too much into all of that, uh, first topic, and I think this one probably is going to be quick, but just something very Ode fun and Jesse. very recent. Yeah, Ode to Jesse. He, uh, friend Jesse, he turned us on to this new game. It's a beta. Uh, well, it's in beta right now. It's free to play on Xbox, PlayStation, Steam. It's called uh, Splitgate. And is it cross-platform? Uh, I don't know if it's cross-platform, but I do have it installed on my Xbox back there. I was going to try it out later. Mm. Um, but it is, it's being kind of billed as a Halo meets Portal in the most literal interpretation of that. Yeah, where I was say very literal. <laughs> they literally just took Halo and glued a Portal gun to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it works, and honestly, I think it takes a little bit from, did you ever play the Tribes Ascend games? No. They're, 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 do you know what, what I'm talking about when I, when I say yeah. those? Okay, so... Popular PC franchise, uh, it was all centered around Capture the Flag, although they did have deathmatch type games. And there was, ability, there was an ability called skiing in it. So you were in like these futuristic like power armor suits, and if you activated boost at just the right time, you would skim along the edges of hills and build up tremendous momentum. And so the game was around like skiing down hills and launching off and doing a lot of aerial stuff. Very fun. Um, but it the shooting gameplay is very similar to this one, where it's a lot of run-and-gun, like, arena-style shooter. Yeah. And that, that's what this one does right. It gets that, like, mid-2000s, like, arena-style shooter feel perfectly. And, I don't know. It does. The The sound design is very nice. Um, I mean, I've, I've had the game for a day, and I think I've got seven hours on it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. But yeah, the sound. You were talking. We we played a game before the podcast this morning, and you were talking about how like the bullet impact noises are just very satisfying, mm, especially when using an automatic weapon. The constant. Yeah, yeah. They that that's something that I think goes underappreciated with a lot of games. Um, like people talk about the the audio sound, like the the music that goes with it, and mm. when they're talking about sound design, explosion sound effects. But something as simple as the way a gun sounds to fire and the impact is just intensely satisfying with a lot of FPS games. Yeah, like, um, one of the uh, big um, pluses for me when I initially played Killing Floor 2 is that the gun sound design in that is excellent. Yeah. When you're firing a double barrel shotgun, it feels like you, there's some weight behind it. Well, and that was what I liked about uh, the Halo Infinite beta, which you know I, we talked about on last week's podcast because it, it concluded last weekend. Um, but it like 
all of the guns, like, when you fired them, they had, like, they felt like they had an impact to them. Like, you could feel, you know, the vibration and the sound. Like, they... Mm. It was very, very good. Um, whereas, I remember... Trying to think back. When Halo 3 first came out, they brought back the assault rifle because they had taken... It was in Halo 1. They took it out in Halo 2, and they brought it back in Halo 3. But, unlike the original one, um, I remember it being criticized by saying it sounded like you know one of the, when you put like a, a a card in the spokes of a bike wheel yeah it had this very disappointing like weightless sound it was just like Tinny. this right but with a lot less bass so i can't <laughs> i can't really do it yeah uh, i got you but this one yeah great and the portal mechanics you don't they're they're almost optional like I've gone entire games without using them at all and still been the top scorer on the team. Yeah, I think higher level is definitely... There's definitely going to be a lot more of it. Um, mm. I just started using portals a lot more to... Also on the edge of the map, make a portal in the middle of the map and have yeah. like, a safe bunker where I just shoot through it and no one can return fire. Oh, when I was playing um, uh, with, with Jesse yesterday afternoon, he did something where he put a portal at the top of the map yeah, on like a tower. And then he hid in the corner and just put the other portal in the corner, and he was just sniping through that that like hole that yeah. he made in the map. So th there's definitely, like you said, I think there's going to be like higher level play to go with that. But especially mm. for free, like the game has microtransactions. You can buy skins for weapons, skins for your character, and everything. Yeah, like every but, game ever these days. Yeah, but the gameplay is solid, and it was just a blast. Like I didn't want to mm. put it down when I started playing it yesterday. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. It definitely brings back memories of kind of um, couch co-op Halo games kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and last um, night, um, after you, so like we, we were playing, obviously, and then when you got off, um, I think Jake joined. And so we yeah, still Jake had... was playing before we started playing. I don't know. Yeah, he... I, I assumed he was AFK because he didn't get in contact with us, but I guess he came back. Yeah, he did. And uh, so it was me, him... Juan and Jesse playing last night. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I even pulled Juan in. I, I can't remember the last time I saw Juan play in <laughs> an FPS, but he we used to play him all the time. Yeah, there's, um, there's that classic argument that people have where people who think, uh, PvP games, that, p people who want a game that is just PvP. Mm. And, this is the thing. So, if there's a game that has is purely PvP based, right? I generally quite enjoy it. If there's a game that is story based, I don't want any PvP in it. Do you know what I mean? I can I can see that, but I I see well, what you're saying. But I'm thinking like I remember back when um. You, you're saying you want the multiplayer and the single player, the story bits, to be completely divorced from each other. Yeah, sorry, yes, to be separate. Like, if you're yeah. talking about Call of Duty, then obviously, yes, story and multiplayer, but they're separate. Yeah, I'm thinking back the original Halo games. They had amazing yeah. campaigns and great multiplayer, but they were completely divorced from each other. Hmm. Yeah, no, because I, um, I was watching a video recently, and um, these, these people were going into the statistics on... Uh, basically, what what companies were making money at the moment? What were getting all the plays? Yeah, and uh, basically, mobile games 
ten to one beat any other game. Of course. And it's it's so frustrating for anyone like you and me who's just like. I mean, how how many mobile games do you have on your phone? Uh, two. Two. I, okay. I have I Pokemon. I have Pokemon Go, and I never open it, and I have Solitaire. I've got Pokemon Go. I've got RuneScape, which is technically a PC game. Hmm. Um, and I had Genshin Impact, which is also technically a PC game. I mean, if you include, so I have a tablet too, which is something I never thought I would say. I always thought yeah. tablets were stupid, pointless pieces of technology. Um, but if you include that, I also have Magic the Gathering Arena and KOTOR on it. But both of those are also PC games. PC games, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, when you're the kind of... When you're a PC gamer, you don't you don't play mobile games all that much. I think that's fair to say. Um, and it baffles me why people enjoy phone games so much. No, like, okay. Yeah. I understand why people play them. They're easy to access and you can do them while you're on a bus or something. But they're so fucking boring. And they make so much money. It's yeah. It's infuriating. Well, okay. So, I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast before, uh, before, but like every year or two, I like going to, I, I like doing a casino trip, right? Because mm. I, but that's, I, I enjoy playing blackjack, I enjoy playing roulette. They're very, they're both very math-based games, in addition to, you know, luck and whatever. Um, yeah. And so I, I find them fun. I, I usually don't, um, I usually walk away with basically what money I walked in with, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I'm not going there to win cash, I'm going there to play a game. What infuriates me at casinos is when there's only, like, one or two blackjack tables in operation and, like, 18 billion slot machines. Because that's yeah. what this this feels like to me. It's like mobile games are basically slot machines in my mind. They're, like, zero effort, zero skill, but there's a fucking billion of them. And for some reason, they're always, like, they always got tons of people at them, and yet they can't staff two blackjack tables. Mm. <laughs> It is kind of boggling. Um, yeah, and so and then you get people in our community who say, you know, oh, we want a game that's like a ruthless hardcore PvP game. And you've got to think, how many people, first of all, actually play PC games compared to mobile games? Like, when a business is coming up with an idea, are they thinking, first of all, it would be a lot better to just make a mobile game it takes less people, it makes a lot more money, whatever. Uh, and then second of all, when you're making like a story game, to make it hardcore PvP, like that's a fraction of, of, of us nerd people, and we're a fraction of the mobile people, so it's like this tiny amount of people, and so you get these games out there, because everyone's like, oh, we want these pure-based PvP stuff. And then they just get no traction because no one like a tiny percent of people enjoy playing them well to bring this to a more controversial topic um oh <laughs> one of the you know like you i one of the oh god i'm that i butchered that sentence one of the things that you hear uh said a lot when people are trying to i don't know wokeify video games is right. that they're like oh you know we need to have more more women in video games because women play half of are half of all gamers. The reason that the way they get to that number is they include mobile games, because by far and away most people who play mobile games are women. 
and by right. so like it's i mean it, it is like some people some people like them and apparently most of the people that like them are women which makes all all of the horrible shit we've said about mobile games seem a little bit worse now in that context but does it i mean i mean it might just it's it's different things for different people yeah different strokes for different folks but uh, it's 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 just so 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 uh, I, okay now yeah. i'm trying not to yeah you yeah exactly uh, <laughs> you're doing the exact same thing i just did where the moment you thought of it and you're like oh i, I shouldn't say it. Mm, uh, mm, uh, mm. it's just so plain yeah it's like it's it's like a fucking bread roll whereas a pc game is a cinnamon bun that doesn't help you because you hate sugar but i do yeah and i don't really eat bread that much it's, either. okay it's like a sandwich with no filling yeah or it was something you know except mysterious except myself you as can have as much it. as much filling as you want in this sandwich but every time you want something in that sandwich you have to pay a little bit of money yeah well and that filling disappears after let's say half an hour I'm, <laughs> whereas now, with now, a pc game typically it just fucking you get what you buy and it's delicious and it's a set price while we're doing this with food i got another one i fucking okay. hate plain cheese pizza i think that is just a, it's a waste why are you doing what, that? like three cheese pizza that's just like pizza that's just no not even three three cheese i can understand because you got some variety of flavors in there i'm saying you yeah. just a plain cheese pizza I, some yeah. people like that. I think it's fucking pointless. You're wasting your time. The point of the pizza is all the toppings. Like, the, in my mind, at least. I think... So it's... it's hold on. Wait. So it's it's okay. it's a plain cheese pizza, like the mobile the mobile games, plain cheese pizza that you're paying like a buck extra to add toppings to for each one, right? Yeah. Or you can go to like some fancy-ass restaurant and you get some crafted artisanal pizza that comes with... The, the toppings are included. It's all part of the same thing. Maybe it's a little more expensive, but it's fancy. It's a well-curated and developed flavor. True, but I would say in the subject of pizza, almost the worst pizzas are the best pizzas. <laughs> if that what? makes sense. Like, you get some proper, proper, like, downtown well, that's... sloppy pizza. That's some good shit. <laughs> it depends. Like, what... That... It's gonna kill you, but it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's what mood you're in, though. Like, you know, sometimes, like, I I normally don't have fast food, but every now and again, I'm like, you know, I could really go for fucking McDonald's right now. Yeah. Like normally, I I like I like making my own food. I like eating like nicer, healthier stuff. But every now and again, I'm like I want some fucking junk food. Yeah. In the same way that normally, like, the types of games that I like are. Stuff like that, but every now and again, I'm like, "Hey, I want to play some CS:GO." <laughs> exactly. Oh um, God. Okay. I think we've we've beaten that topic to death. Did you have anything well, else to? No. Did you have something else? Where where, where do you think? Like, okay, so uh, we've always always talked about like video game monetization. Yeah. Where do we think that's going to go next? Because. It primarily, st our, our gripes primarily started out when loot boxes came around. We've talked about loot boxes to death. What do we think the next, like the next step is going to be? Where they're like, yeah, I think we can make we can make more money out of these these cash whales, as some people call them. I know exact like oh I I'm not, I don't claim to be like seeing the future here, but this is what <laughs> I think. Okay. I think video games are going to go in the same direction as Microsoft Office. 
you don't buy Microsoft Office anymore. You rent it. You do like a subscription. There's going to be a video game where you literally cannot play it. You just, you subscribe to it. And then when you subscribe to it, you get all the features of the game, full access. If there's loot boxes and stuff, it's included in the subscription fee. But the moment you unsubscribe, you no longer own the game. And you can't play it at all anymore. Some loot boxes would not be included in the subscription fee. Maybe it'd be like, I don't know, Audible, where you get like a loot box free every month. But it's not free because you're still paying a subscription. I mean, um, on a wider scale, we're kind of already there. Um, Xbox Live. When you have Xbox Live Gold, which is like $100 a year, I think, um, you got two free games every month. Yep. They're usually I older mean, or less popular games, but you get two free to ones. To be fair... World of Warcraft has been doing subscription fee for donkey's years. That's true, but that's MMOs. MMOs are another weird beast. Right, but so you're saying that they would uh, evolve out of MMOs into just mainstream I think you would games. see... I think we're going to see mainstream games adopt the MMO model. I mean, it's always there with the, the loot pass, the battle pass things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's battle passes are pretty similar. Even Halo's got going to have battle passes in it now, which mm. saddens me to say, but... Yeah. It's but you the don't way think it's they're going to go to like, you know, reloading a gun or having a certain <laughs> number of bullets will cost you a certain amount of money. <laughs> that that'd be like going back to the arcade days where it's like, "Oh, hey, you uh you want another continue? Put in a quarter." Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, can you imagine if you had an actual arcade machine in your house that every time you wanted to play, you had to put in a little bit of money. Yeah. I mean, that that's basically what live systems were. Like um you, you, like they were there to milk quarters out of people in arcades. So when you had like, well, when I I had an original like NES, like playing the original Mario Bros. games, you die three times. Oh, you got to start the whole game over again. Yeah. I didn't have to put a quarter in, but. And then you've got like, um... oh god, what's it called? I, it's just flip, flip, uh, flit from my mind. Uh, you go on. Yeah. But I, I do see them trying to find more creative ways to monetize things in the future. Just because, like, video games have become bigger than Hollywood. They have been for years now. Um, yeah. Bigger than and movie industries. I was, I was going to say, um, uh, progress skipping has become a big monetization thing now. Oh, yeah. Like the, um, what was it, Assassin's Creed, uh, the Greek one. The one that took place Odyssey? during the... Yeah, Odyssey. That one... You could pay, you could buy the game for 60 bucks, or you could buy the game for... You paid for, 60 bucks for that piece of crap. Oh, no, I, I bought it when it was on sale for, like, 20 bucks. I bought it for, like, 10 bucks, because everyone thought it was shit. <laughs> I liked it. I actually, I did enjoy it. It's it not did, bad. I it got grindy. It. See, but this is the thing. It got grindy around the... Like, it, hook, it pulls you in, and it's really interesting in the first half, then it gets really grindy in the middle, and that's where I dropped it. And... That's why you can, when the game came out, you could pay $80 to have it be less grindy, so you level up faster. Yeah. And you could pay $100 to have it be even less grindy, and you get a cool skin. Yeah, it, that's so dumb. Uh, it's the they same li- with you're literally, at the moment. No, also, you're, you're literally paying more money to play less of the game that you hmm. paid more money for. Sorry about that. <laughs> what um, was that? I don't know, it sounds like a beaver having sex. <laughs> oh, it's a lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> the, um... The... 
Uh, MMOs. Yeah. You can now, like, uh, buy level 60 in World of Warcraft and stuff. That's a bit of a different beast. Because it is multiplayer. If you, say, had played the game previously and you don't want to go through all the grinding and you just want to get to the late game, because the late game has fun stuff, has the raids, it has the joining guilds. If you just want to skip all the grind and you've done it before and you want to just get to the guilds and the raiding and stuff, that at least I can see the logic behind paying that extra money. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's this big thing about, um, you know, oh, oh, just keep playing for the first ten hours and then it'll start getting fun. Mm. Thing that um, I can think of story games like that too. To be honest, though, it's really shitty. It's bad game design when when you have that. Um, yeah. And it is definitely a feature in a lot of things. Hell, even Final Fantasy. The first part is boring as fuck until you get character level fifteen. Then you get then it suddenly opens up to raids, mounts, the golden saucer which you've been loving. Yeah, just uh, sitting there playing the stupid triple triad card game for about 10 hours. Exactly. <laughs> Do you want to actually play uh, the game? Nope. Gotta get this bitch's card. Which, it, uh, if you speedrun it, you could get there in like half an hour probably. Yeah. Just did main story missions. But it is a bit uh, sad when you do get like these great games, but no one plays them because the first however long... Like, uh, I think someone said... Um, God, what game was it they were talking about? Uh, basically, the game got really good after a certain amount of time. And there's an achievement in the game that mm. um, you get after two hours of playing, right? Yeah. And that achievement... Get, you know how you see Steam statistics? Mm-hmm. Uh, only 40% of the player base had that achievement. Oof. Um... So if you've not pulled people in within the first two hours, most of your player base is not going to be enjoying your game. It's you get similar things with um, you know books and movies. Like you mm. got to have something that hooks people right off the bat. Same thing with TV shows. Like that's why, like you see, Firefly is a perfect example of this. Like it didn't hook people with the first few episodes. I mean, granted, the, the Fox who was airing the show fucked around with the episode order and everything, but it didn't hook people in the first episode and it got cancelled. And then by the end of the series, it became like a huge like cult classic because people watched the whole series and were like, holy shit, this is actually good if you keep watching it. Mm. And then it got cancelled. <laughs> but yeah, it got cancelled before they could ever film anymore. They eventually made a yeah. movie because people loved it so much. But Damn. Yeah, no, it's a shame when these things come out. Anyway, we got wildly off topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you thought that we couldn't talk about Splitgate for a while. We've been talking well, about... because I had a, I had a pretty long-winded... Rant on mobile it. games, yeah. Oh, uh, anyway, so <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about, to, that'll, this should round us out for the first segment, um, mm-hmm. is I've been playing more Not For Broadcast, which... Yes indie game that i am actually i am thoroughly enjoying like i am it's making me laugh like so often i'm just so thoroughly entertained by it it's video available on the tmcj youtube channel that's true actually the um by by the time this goes live there's already there should be two of them out already yeah do you want to give a quick synopsis of it because people don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah so uh the game is uh it's it's sort of a, a simulation game you work in the back room of a TV studio, 
presumably from like the 80s or 90s, just judging by the technology and the fact that you're putting in video cassettes to play looks, commercials. I mean, maybe this speaks on the kind of shit that I watch on YouTube, but it looks a lot like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's an FMV game, which for those that don't know, stands for full motion video. It was a, it was a game that was very popular in the 90s, but then sort of disappeared. Um, yeah. And it was... It's actual like real people, like acting out the scenes in the in the game. And so you you work in the back room of a TV studio, and your job is to like switch the camera angles. Like if you're there's an interview, you switch from person who's talking to other person who's talking to wide shot to you know whatever, just to keep the audience engaged. Your job is to make sure like when it's time to go to commercial, you throw the commercial on. Um, if there's something, if somebody swears, you got to bleep it out in real time and everything. So it's. It, it, there's a little bit of hand, but that's not the kind of game for everyone. Simulation games, they are popular, but not a lot of people are, are going to go for them. What I love about it, and what has been thoroughly entertaining me, is the satire in it. So it takes place in some... I, I want to I say it takes place in the UK, just because, first of all, everyone in the game has a, a you know English accent. Um, in particular, like a northern English accent. Right. And um, you, like, one of the first news stories you cover is this populist um, party coming to power and overtaking Labour and the Tories and whatever. They don't, they don't call out the other parties in particular, but they come to power and they're, they're the, one of those, like, eat the rich parties who are like, oh, we're taking all your passports, we're taking all your assets. Eat we're the rich? Yeah. You've never heard people say that? No. It's the, it's the new, like, uh, trendy thing for the youngins to say, eat the rich. I wasn't sure if you were trying to say beat the rich or... No, eat the rich. I've oh. literally heard people say that in earnest. It's weird. Lucky rich people? <laughs> well, why? They're getting eaten. <laughs> exactly. Um, eh, oh, yeah, not like that. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Um... So they, they come to power, and it's funny, because you're, you're televising their, their first press conference, and that's how you learn how to use the sensor button to, to bleep out swears, because one of the guys is like, he's got a big pint of beer, and he's just, he's, he's slurring, he's like, oh, we're going to take all your fucking money. Yeah. And um, so, I, like, in the video, I was like, oh, God, okay, this is why the game is listed as dystopian, because, you yeah. know, party like this comes to power... They start thinking they're going to do stuff like Stalin did, take the money from and redistribute. Dystopian. This is like any pub in the UK <laughs> with a drunk person. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So then they, in between the parts where you're in the studio, there are story bits where it's all text-based and you get to make choices based on what you think is, like, is the right thing to do. And one of the very yeah. first things is your brother-in-law comes over and um, apparently he's fairly well off and him and his wife are they've, they've had their passports taken and they're about to seize all their assets this new party and so you have to make the choice do you give him your passport so he can get out of the country because it kind of looks like you or do you just let him twist and I gave him the passport you... of course I gave him the passport I'm like fuck it you know government ain't stealing from my family so and... you're saying you didn't eat your brother no I didn't eat what <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway, so the next day you go back to the studio and they've got a debate on between an economist and a um, this guy who's basically a parody of Alex Jones. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, my, I bet you love that character. Oh my god. So if pick if you could picture a black British Alex Jones, that's this guy. Okay. British Alex Jones. Okay. And the guy and he just comes on and he's like, "It's all in my book," and he puts it on the table and it's it was just his name was right or is right or something yeah. like that, and it's just this hilarious little debate there. But what I like is that they don't they're. Like the game so far has been making fun of everyone. It's making fun of mm. politicians. It's making it's making fun of traditional politicians. Make fun of uh, like progressive politicians. It's making fun of um, like conspiracy theorists. It's making fun of the established experts that always think they know best. It's making fun of the news. It's making fun of like just it. It has pulled no punches so far, and it is just like the the parody in it has had me floored laughing multiple times. Alex Jones has actually been in the news recently. Really? What for? Well, I mean, usually it's because he said something crazy, but... Well, it's because he said something that actually turned out to be correct. Oh, yeah. Uh, about um, people using... The harvest, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if about. we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, just, just for... I won't say it explicitly, but essentially... Yeah. Um, we'll say terminated fetuses... Um, utilizing uh, their parts for like medical research and scientific experimentation, it's yeah. It's well, apparently while they're still yeah, while like, they're while they're still viable, yeah, it's it's well, fucked up. Yeah. yeah, viable meaning that I, I'm I'm using my I'm using very clinical language know, for the to, sake I'm of YouTube. To, um, to anyway. But, yeah, you can look it up if you want, but it, it is very fucked up. Um, and so Twitter's going, oh my god, Alex Jones is correct about everything. We should make him our new president. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like, he, what what makes him like compelling is he says a ton of crazy stuff, and mm. maybe like 10 to 20% of it turns out to be right. And then people are like, holy shit, everything he said is right. Which Can you imagine if he was the president? Oh my god! I would love watching debates between him and other world <laughs> leaders. Just, I, I'd no, love to watch him talk. You're to wrong. It's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> oh, fucking Alex Jones. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> but that's it. I just, I've been playing the game and I've been loving it. Like, I, I just, I think if you're a fan of like, um, satire. And, you know, you like those kind of simulation games. Um, mm. You'd probably, you know, people probably enjoy it. it. It's it is a lot of fun. Yeah, the concept of it kind of reminds me of, uh, this is probably why I thought it was in Russia. It um, reminds me a lot of Glory to Ostotska. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah. Your papers, please. Yeah, but, uh, sorry, I always get that name wrong. Well, that, that's because everyone says Glory to Ostotska. Because well, the, the yeah, fictional like, country is I've never played the game, but I always remember the Glory to Ostotska. Anyway. Um, yeah, like, it's not similar in gameplay terms, but it just gives that kind of vibe. It has a similar vibe, yeah. I, yeah. I, I felt the same way. Because another parallel that it has to that game is that in Papers, Please, after you're finished with... Papers, Please, by the way, for those that don't know, you play, like, basically think after the Soviet Union fell, and now there's suddenly borders between former Soviet bloc countries, 
now you're a border security guard who's trying to deal with all the people trying to migrate from one country to another. You're checking passports, making sure people aren't smuggling in drugs or weapons or things like that. And you have to deal with more and more and more bureaucracy. And at the end of the day, you go home and what, what little money you have has to be used to support your, your family and like pay for your bills. And it, it makes it very difficult to do the morally right thing because like are you just going to look out for you and yours or are you going to you know try to take a stand or something like that um this game has a similar mechanic where after you're done at the tv studio you go home and like that thing with the passport you got to take care of your family and deal with that i actually did so badly on the level i played yesterday that they docked my pay so now i am uh quote in crippling poverty according to the game oof well Waiting for my stimulus check. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, any uh, any final thoughts before we close out segment one? Nope, nope. All right. This is going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment, and we did movie night this week. We watched a movie that until we started going with it, like, I actually, it was, first of all, it was Alicia's choice this week. Um, she chose the movie yesterday, which I had, I had never finished, but I saw the first half of it on a plane until it got so cringy, I switched and watched something else. And I, I wish I had finished it, because actually now having seen the whole movie, it has a good ending. Yeah. Um. I like. I. It. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> I'll Can just get the synopsis. Yeah. So, my my running theory, by the way, so the movie is about a guy, uh, this British dude who is like kind of an amateur singer songwriter. Um, he works in like a, a warehouse shop or like a big wholesaler or something like that to pay the bills, but yeah. him and his childhood friend, who's also his manager. Like, they go around and get him whatever gigs he can, but usually it's, like, children's parties and stuff like that. His his music manager, not his work manager. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, I, I realized I lumped those together. His work <laughs> I manager's... I got very confused in my head for a second there. <laughs> his work manager's a dick. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, well, she... Well, no, his work manager's just a normal manager. <laughs> so, you get to the... The thing is, like, I'm gonna start off right off the bat where... It's it's very clear like what the character dynamics in this movie are right right from the very beginning like he's yeah. he's this very ambitious person who's just never been able to find that big break for himself the girl clearly is super into him but he's just never noticed her or something like that he um, reminds me a lot of Ramesh Ranganathan who if you know who that is no yeah never heard of him it's a British comedian you quite like his his comedy I think okay okay but yeah so he. There's that. Um, he's going home, like, after some very unsuccessful gig, again. Um, they, like, he's being driven home by his, his manager, and they get into a bit of a, a fight, and he gets, like, he gets out of the car and just uh, decides he's gonna ride his bike home from her place or something like that. I, I, I don't remember exactly how that, that first bit happens. It doesn't matter. He ends up on a bike, riding home late at night, and he gets hit by a bus. And when he comes to, he's lost a couple teeth because he get hit with the bus, but he's alive. And he's talking to a couple of his friends, and um, 
his old guitar gets smashed up because he had it on his back when he got hit by the bus. And so his friends get him a new guitar. And they're all at a pub sitting outside, you know, having a couple drinks at, to celebrate him being alive and getting out of the hospital. And he's, they're like, oh, play something on the guitar. And he decides to play Yesterday by the Beatles. Really good song. Um, right off the bat, like, the, the whole theme of this movie is it's all centered around the Beatles. I, I'm going to say something controversial. I'm not really, like, I like some of their music. But a lot of their music is just really annoying to me. Or it's just not... It doesn't... Maybe it's because I'm not from the 60s. It doesn't, like, touch me in the way it seems to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. It's because of the conversation before the podcast. Um, the... Uh, yeah, I, when I was a kid, Beatles never really appealed to me all that much. Um, I mean, Yellow Submarine, yeah, because I was a kid. And it's a fun song to sing when you're drunk. Uh, <laughs> not that I was drunk as a kid. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I think having grown up, there are there are a, f- a few of those because they have quite a, a variety in their songs. Their yeah. songs aren't like a lot of bands where they get one good hit and then they just base all their other songs off yeah. of that. Song. Their, their versatility definitely did lend well to them. Uh, which, by the way, uh, they do have one one song that they have that is really well loved that I absolutely despise is Imagine. The imagine all the people. Yeah, they use they they pull it out every New Year's. I think. For like... I hate that song, and not because it's a bad song. Musically, it's very nice. But if you actually mm. listen to the lyrics, they're singing about a dystopia. They're singing about like a horror world. Like, it's... I mean, they are quite hippie, which is kind of opposite of you, I suppose. So they, they you're not the the targeted. Or I things, guess yeah, I that's think. that's a good point. Um, yeah. they they really they weren't they 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 were singing about I guess some kind of communist utopia and um, which is a hellscape for someone like me. Um, <laughs> but no, one of the songs that always uh, like stuck with me that I just I love singing because it's just so fucking stupid um, and silly and also pretty fucked up. Um, and you're gonna have to suffer through me singing for a few seconds because I I, I got to do the the intro to it because okay. it's great. It's um, so you know the song Maxwell Silver Hammer. No. Oh my god. Okay. So the, it it starts off. Um, Joan was quizzical, studied metaphysical science and the home. Late nights alone with a test tube. Oh oh oh. oh. Is this a Beatles song? It is. Oh. Um. Uh, hold on. Uh, Maxwell Edison study. Oh, sorry. Maxwell Edison majoring in medicine calls her on the phone. Can I take you out to the pictures, Joan? But right. as she's getting ready to go, a knock comes on the door. Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver. It's a song about a sociopath that just goes around killing people with a hammer, and it's called Maxwell Silver Hammer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they did... I knew how they didn't put in um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds either, because it's, like, That's heavily... A... Huh? I, I like that song. I actually really like it. It's that all song. about crystal meth. Yeah. I mean, they, they were hippies <laughs> and druggies, so, like... Yeah. You know. It's like they they left. I think they tactically chose the songs that they used. Um, yeah, but yeah. They but... had Lady Madonna in there. It's a pretty upbeat one. And then they were also like hinting a lot at. Um... Oh fuck! What was the song called? It's like my favorite one as well. The one that he couldn't quite remember the lyrics to. Abbey Road. No. Um... 
the I don't know. What's it called? Eleanor Rigby, thank you. Eleanor Rigby, okay, yeah. Um, I really like that song. It's only like two minutes long, mm. and it's quite sad, but it's I don't know. I, I find it really nice. So and they never end up fully singing it. <laughs> so I maybe they couldn't get the rights. Maybe that that one's independent. I don't know. Doesn't matter. So picking up where we left off. Now that we've yeah. had our rant on the Beatles, um, he sings yesterday. Oh yeah, right. and all <laughs> of his friends at the pub are just like, "That song was beautiful. When did you write that?" Like, yeah, and he's he's confused and he's like he goes on talking about the Beatles and stuff like that and no one has no any idea what he's talking about and um he goes home and googles it and he can't find anything about them and then he goes and yeah. talks to the the female childhood friend and he's like do you do you seriously not remember anything about the Beatles and his first idea isn't to go like oh my god, I've traveled to another dimension. I need to figure out what else has changed. It's, no, I've got to claim all of the Beatles songs as my own and become famous. And so yep. so he goes out and he does more gigs and stuff and he plays the, the Beatles songs. And um, oh, he finds out that Coke is not uh, in this world. Yeah, people give him a weird look because they're like, Coke? Because they think he's asking for cocaine. Yeah. Um, well, technically, Coke fuel is still, as far as I'm aware, in that world. So you could be asking for for, for charcoal. For charcoal, yeah, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Although, why would he be asking for that on an airline? <laughs> I'm looking for something flammable. Have you got anything? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And yeah. So he goes on and he starts to become more and more popular. Records an album, giving it out to people. He gets a call from somebody in the car and he 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 thinks it's a prank call but it turns out to be ed sharon who i'll, I'll admit yeah. i had no fucking idea who ed sharon was when i saw this movie the first time oh really yeah I, I, he's I, pretty fucking famous I pro um, i've probably heard his i don't listen to pop music he really didn't do well in this film though he's definitely not an act <laughs> no it, um, it's very clearly hey we wanted to get a real life it's it's always like it's like when yeah. they put um real world like news anchors into tv shows or movies to make it seem like it's the real life news um hmm. it just comes off as a little weird um but yeah I, I probably heard some of his music i had no idea who the fuck he was but, but i first saw this movie in like 2019 like and i i saw half of it on a plane um and i just remember thinking like who the fuck is ed sharon <laughs> i thought it was a singer they made up for the movie yeah. Anyway, yeah. so he comes in and um, it's cringe. It is pretty cringy, but he invites him to go on tour with him. They go to Russia, which he uh, does the song back in the USSR um, by the Beatles, uh, and yeah. in a completely different time zone where you know yeah, USSR I, isn't a thing. I I I was I remember watching that and thinking like isn't this in like horribly bad taste? You're like oh back when you were a horribly oppressive dictatorship and everyone was dying. <laughs> that's that's a song I want to sing. I mean it was a pretty good song. It is a good song. I'm just saying it just see. It just yeah <laughs> the time and place. It, it's <laughs> like um, you know, singing a song called "Back in the Reich in Germany." Like, it's just, <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah, remember that time you guys were a dictatorship and a bunch of people died? Jeez. <laughs> just start doing springtime, but... 
Spring time. No, okay, I'm not gonna sing that. Um, yeah, not not the no no word. Um, but yeah, so that goes on, and he go he has like a songwriting contest with Ed Sheeran, and he just pulls another Beatles song out of his ass. So dumb. Like he doesn't just pull the lyrics out of his ass; he pulls the fucking piano piece out of his ass, and it's like, how good is this guy at music that he can just play that song? Yeah, and then Ed Sheeran pulls a pouty face and tells somebody to sleep with him and then goes to bed. And then that's the end of that. And then yeah. um, he gets signed on with the <clears throat> the same agency, which, by the way, the music studio agency, like, people are, like, just such an over-the-top parody of, like... Very blunt. She She's, like, just, like... Every scene with her is hilarious because it's... It's... It's basically like a cartoon version of what Hollywood executives are like. Yeah. Where she's just like, you write songs for us, and we make shitloads of money, and we give you some of it. Or something like that. Yeah. It's just such a stupid... It's like, it's it's the classic Evil know, devil's contract thing, where, mm. you know, the devil offers you a lot of money in exchange for not seeing your family again. and they But they do it... Like normally, the devil is kind of tactful and <clears throat> and coy. Yeah, this bitch is just like literally. You will stay in America and do what we say, and we'll give you a little bit of the money while we make a lot of money. Yeah, and like it was so it was such a weird scene because it's kind of trying to be a re- realistic film, and then they come out with something like that, and it's like, yeah, this is clearly like the plot is so obvious. <laughs> Devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. Sorry. Um, so he... I'm just in a singing mood this morning. You are. Very so that, that was one reason that it's at one point during the movie, I thought, oh, maybe he's not in another dimension. Maybe he's in a coma because he got hit by the bus. I th- as far as I'm aware, the, the whole film is about him being in a coma. Is it actually? As far as I'm aware. Like, as far as I'm concerned, sorry, I should oh, say. Oh, okay. Because I, I didn't see any indications in the movie explicitly saying that, but that was my like that was what I started to think when I all the these weird like over the top parodies of um, people started showing up, um, Except, and he started having hallucinations of yellow submarines and stuff. No, he didn't have hallucinations. They made it look like he was having hallucinations. He wasn't, but they made it look like he was when he was in the press conference. Like they made it seem like he was going crazy. It was the other dude who was like, we, we know the songs as well, that's yeah, why he brought yeah. the submarine. Yeah, they, they reveal it that way, but they were making it look like he was going crazy before that yeah. in the movie. So, I, How I'm, hard must it have been to get their hands on a toy yellow submarine in a world where a yellow submarine was not a song though? <laughs> like, in Russia. <laughs> yeah, that is odd. <laughs> But anyway, so we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. So he does that. He becomes famous. And uh, because of that, it kind of drives a wedge between him and childhood friend. And she kind of reveals in one of the most infuriating scenes in the whole movie. She basically comes right out and says, like, you know, why don't you love me or something like that? And he clearly has feelings for her. And then he walks out. And he just walks out and he doesn't say anything. Is this man a eunuch? Well, the, 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 like, that's how I felt when he signed on with the devil. Like, it was the exact same thing. And then it happens again later. I won't do details because you're still going through it. But, yeah. like, at the cafe. I think I have I have a better way to summarize this movie. 
the world's dumbest man steals all of the Beatles music, becomes famous, and lives happily ever after. That's the whole movie summary. The guy, the, I, yeah. th- there are there are there are nice parts. There are wholesome parts. The music's good, and it has it has kind of a sweet story. But the main character is a fucking moron, in so yeah. many ways. It's like someone had a really good idea for a movie, and they just went the most plain Jane, simplest, obvious storyline they could, just so that they could say that storyline. You know what I think is, and this is me being super cynical, is I think some studio executive in Hollywood saw how successful Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie about yeah. um, you know Queen, did, and, and that really like, was a good film. That was a, that was an excellent film, and they were like, we need a we need a chunk of that cash, hmm. and so they made and a I, quick movie like this. I should say every moment where there was singing going on, it was great. Yes, like agreed. Every moment the Beatles music was playing, it was great. Agreed. It was the 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 romance part really didn't grab me in this. They, they the the story was basically just a vehicle for them to have an excuse to play Beatles songs. That's yeah. really... and then the fucking dick over at the end really hurt <laughs> me. But I'm sure you're gonna get to that. Yeah, yeah. So drives a wedge between them. She reveals that he doesn't do anything like an absolute fucking tool. He goes back to America and then realizes that, oh, shit, I still have feelings for this girl. And he wants to, excuse me, wants to talk to her. They almost sleep together. And then, because he's back in the UK for some reason. He um, went to Liverpool. Liverpool. So that he could say he's been to the grave and the street. Yeah, yeah. And so they almost sleep together. She panics because it's like, oh, it's a one night stand. Which, by the way... They drink, like, an amount of booze that is just beyond reckoning. Do they? Oh my god, yeah. They have, like, three beers at the restaurant, then they have, like, brandy afterwards, then they're, like, knocking back shots, then they're drinking a whole bunch of nips in the hotel room, and I'm like, how are you two not dead? That just sounds like a good night. <laughs> well, yeah. I, 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 guess, I guess they could... It's a lot of different drinks, though, yeah. I can you, see you how that would be kind of gross. No, yeah, like... Oh, anyway. Another little pet peeve. Again, I think they were just doing it for effect, trying to drive home the fact of how awkward and socially inept these two losers are. Um, they almost... That doesn't happen. He wakes up hungover the next day, um, wakes up his friend, goes realizes he's made a huge mistake, he's got to chase after her, and then she she dumps him at the train station. No, she doesn't. She does. Well, no, he, she she sort she of does. Gives him a chance to stay there with her, and then oh, you're he right. Doesn't you're right. She does. You're right. She yeah. She says like if he he. I remember getting mad about this in the movie though because yeah actually I have it written down in my because I I wrote in the podcast prep notes. Um, yeah, this is from the train station scene. I wrote. Her insecure ass wants him to give up everything just to prove he's loyal. And it's I, I think it's fair. I do on on retrospect, like I do think it's it's a little bit more fair than I was I wasn't giving her enough credit. Because yeah. this guy has spent his entire like in isolation in that scene, I'd say she was the one in the wrong. Because she's asking him to give up everything about himself just to prove that some inarticulate feeling that she had just to make her feel more secure and that's fucked up but in context hold on in context 
this guy has been wishy-washy and not willing to commit for his entire life. And she has had to deal with that. So I, in that context, I understand why she's asking him to give this up and just be devoted to her. My point of view is that so the only thing tying him to America is the uh, is the money. Mm-hmm. Like he could still do all the Beatles songs in England. Okay. And for her, all of her family and friends are in England, and her job is in England, and he came from England. So why wouldn't he want to stay in England? So I kind of I can kind of I... see it even more from her side. Gonna put this in another context with all that money, just commute. Live in England and commute to America. I that sounds hellish. I used I used to work with a guy who was he was close to retirement, but he was a contractor and he the, our company was um it was in you know it was in central Massachusetts. He lived in Pennsylvania. He just flew over over to Massachusetts every week. It's a bit more than flying across the ocean though every week. <laughs> yeah, but um, what I'm saying for a musician, like he could do his singing songwriting over in England, and then when it's time to record an album or perform, just fly to America. I think they could. I mean, with the amount of money they'd be bringing in, they could just make a studio in England. <laughs> true, true. So, I, I think that there's like, but again, this this is this guy. We've all already established this guy has no balls. So, there's no way he would have been able to like say that to Devil Woman, and yeah. like get her to actually like if he if he had some balls, he would have been able like, hey, you want this talent? Like, you want these songs? Like. I'm recording in England. I gotta be here because my girl's here. No. Anyway. So, sorry. <laughs> gotta finish the movie. I keep, I keep like, stopping and yeah, going yeah. on rants. I keep going <laughs> on rants because there were... The movie was good. I should say, re-emphasize that. The movie was yes. good, but there are, are bits of it that pissed me off so much. <laughs> um... Anyway, so, so she goes off. Uh, he doesn't stay with her. He goes back to America. Um... And then goes to, like, a marketing meeting. Um, and this was one of the most hilarious scenes. Because there, there's a guy who's just, he's up on... This is, I think, how somebody who has never worked in an office pictures how offices operate. Where some, like, like this big corporate executive, he's in a suit and he's like, we're going to talk about marketing. And they, they've got, like, two dozen people at the table whose sole purpose is there to just clap for the guy giving the speech. Um, and they, they announce, like, they look over the covers that he has suggested, and all of the covers that he's suggested were covers that the Beatles used. Yeah. Um, and But they made of, no sense without the context. Like, ex- yeah. they had history, he doesn't have any of that, so it makes no sense from him. Well, that's the, the this movie, I just think, I think that the main character is honestly just not a good person. Everything, like... Everything about I mean, him. The whole thing is about him stealing credit. So yeah, yeah. he's not a good person. He, he's stealing credit. Um, like he's ignoring the the monumental feat that he has jumped to a different dimension. Um, he's not willing to devote himself to the the woman who clearly loves him and that he clearly loves. He yeah. is like um, he doesn't have like the guts to actually like he's essentially achieved his dream with basically zero effort like he just he just suddenly it's he is the equivalent of the person who wins the lottery and then just you know 
they didn't they didn't like struggle or anything to get that and they suddenly have all this money and they don't know what to do with it and so usually yeah. those people end up being like have developing a drug habit but so wait, you, i know you just said that he went to another dimension if if at the beginning when the lights all went out across the world yeah and he hadn't been hit by a bus mm. i would have agreed that it was a different dimension but the fact that he got hit by the bus means that it's a coma in my opinion I mean, it could be any of those. Yeah, it could be. It could be his dying brain trying to make sense of the last moments of life. Um, you never know. But personally, I think uh, life on Mars did it better. But whatever. <laughs> You've not seen that, have you? I haven't. No, but I know. I know of the movie. I, I know what you're referring to. That lead actress. So. Mm. So. Um, yeah. No. I just. Anyway. One of the things that made me laugh the most in this scene is one of the album covers the Beatles used was just called White, and it was just a blank white cover. And the the the, the marketing guy's like, we can't do that in this day and age. You know, calling the album White, that has some problematic undertones and stuff like that. And it's a fair point. You couldn't have got away with that in this day and age, probably not. Right, yeah, because everything is racialized now. But, yeah. so, so he, the, the marketing meeting happens, they move on. And they get to, uh, like, he eventually, that's when he just realizes, like, this is soulless. I don't like this anymore. Like, I liked what I had back in the UK better. And he finds out that um, his girlfriend, like, not girlfriend, but his, his old friend who, like, he, once he comes to this revelation, it t- turns out she's already dating someone new. Um, and Even it was the uh, the... the... The recording artist he originally was with. Yeah, yeah, the the first guy who had, like, this basically, like, uh, the equivalent of, like, a basement studio. Um, and he, they recorded his first album there, and so the two of them got together. Um, but he pulls off this very elaborate thing uh, where they, they do a big concert in a stadium in the UK. Ed Sheeran is, yeah. Yeah, and... It, ironic, yeah. They this was funny. They had Ed Sheeran opening up for this guy. Was what happened. Well, no, I, th- I think he he wasn't even supposed to be there. But then maybe he called Ed Sheeran and was like, "I just want to have a little word at the end." Oh yeah. So anyway, but he so he goes up and he uses that opportunity to confess his love to the 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 girl you know on stage and puts her on camera to the millions of people there and not millions which is of really people. fucking mean yeah that's that's it's the equivalent of like the people who like propose at like big sports games they put them on the screen and so that's, that i'm shit, sure dude that shit's wicked like cringy that, but... some people like it no because then you literally are taking away <clears> the option for them to say no or if they do say no it's fucking awkward as hell I mean, I've never seen anyone say no. But... Oh, I've seen it. There, there, there are cringe compilations on on YouTube that you can oh, look. Of course, there are. We we can look at a few of them later if you want, but they're they're bad. Yeah. Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> um. Anyway, so she does end up, you know, uh, liking him, and they they confess their feelings to each other, and then the the new guy that she's dating is extremely like, he's just so he walks in he's like so this is awkward or something like that. But yeah. what's nice about this is, I don't know if you caught this, there was a look between him and the girl's sister. Yeah, it no, like, it's it's stupid. I'm sorry, it's fucking stupid. It's not nice. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, okay, you're going out with my friend now instead of me. Um, <laughs> just let I guess swap. I'll bang your sister instead. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. 
It's it's pretty fucked up. It is. It is, but like, um, imagine sitting across like they get married, right? Yeah. Sitting across the dining table with the family, and you fucked your friend's wife. I mean, more power to that guy. He he worked his way through the whole family. Keeping it in the family, yep. I it's just fucking weird. I'm well, sorry, I, that I don't is think just it's, it's ever explicitly stated how far their relationship had gone. Like it's not it, it didn't seem like they'd gotten as far as, you know, actually sleeping together yet. But maybe they did. Maybe. I mean, honestly I it's, it's I, funnier I, if they did, but I think the main character is an asshole for doing that. I think the girl is an asshole for accepting him. Especially when she doesn't even look happy about it and she still fucking accepts it. Yeah. And then the guy that got cucked, which is what it is. Yeah, it is. Um, is an asshole for then going out with the sister. Yeah. The song at the end was nice, though. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the song? I don't remember. I think it was some Ed Sheeran song they did a cover of, actually. Oh, okay. It, I mean, it was it was a pretty song. You know, I remember looking... it better. What? If they didn't have Ed Sheeran and instead they had T Swizzle. Fucking Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my god. No, screw <laughs> all that. Get Kanye West in there. Every time he tried to start oh, a song, yeah. hey, I'm gonna let you finish, but. <laughs> no, actually, no, screw that. Get like, uh, get T Pain. That's who we needed. Pain. I know the name. I don't know what he sings. He, so he's he's a rapper that got like fa famous or hip hop rapper kind of. He got famous for using auto tune a lot. Right. And now he's a Twitch streamer, and he actually has a huge following. And he does really like he does like he raps his intros, and he does it like off the off the cuff every time, and it's fucking hilarious. Cool. I love watching him just to see the intros. Yeah. Damn. Genuine talented dude, actually. Um, and I actually know who he yeah. is, unlike uh, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Sharon, yeah. He's just, I don't know. He's a bit too old to be having the uh, the teenage frumpy look now. I, I, I you know, I just, I just thought. So, I'm going to, big question. Who do you, th who was your favorite character in this movie? Because I, I have one in mind, and I, I want to see if uh, you can guess who mine was after you say yours. Oh, well, I, I'm going to guess yours is the, uh, the stand-in manager. The dude? Oh, the dude with the fro who's like... Yeah. The, no, it's not him. Okay. Alright, who's yours? Uh, he was a bit too cringy for me. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he was kind of cringy. Although he was funny. Like, I did... The scenes... There were funny parts, yeah. But there were also cringy parts that he did. And I, was like, oh. I, loved, I loved when he told off Ed Sheeran in the plane. That was hilarious. Um, yeah, that was a cringy moment. It was I mean, cringy, but I, I when did... When he was doing the rap thing. The rap was cringy, but before thing. that... When he was, you know, he's like, oh, Ed Sheeran, you know, I like your stuff. It's like, uh, especially the rap stuff. And Ed Sheeran's like, really? He's like, no. <laughs> that made me... <laughs> I got a laugh out of that. Um, but no, so who's your favorite character? Oh, God, uh, I have to think now. Um... The mum? I don't know, I didn't really... That's have... <laughs> actually that's actually ironic, because my favorite character was the main character's dad. <laughs> Like, the main character's yeah. dad was awesome, because he just didn't give a shit. I don't... Now that I think about it, I'm not sure if there are any particular characters that I, um... 
I like. Did you have a particular favorite character? Um, she got her headphones in. <laughs> do you have a, a favorite character from the film? <laughs> She's thinking very hard. <laughs> Blue's got an audience for this episode of the podcast. Say again. You don't remember any of the characters. Okay, well there we go. I think that Actually, kind of that that adequately sums up the movie because like the the story really was just there to get us through. I have got an answer actually. The Paul McCartney. You can't see her making fun of you in the background. I can. I can see my my screen. I can see her doing this. <laughs> um, the Paul McCartney. Oh, you know what? The guy he got to the one who lived or whatever that yeah. he went to see in the country. That actor is amazing. I've seen him in a few things, and everything I've seen him in has been amazing. He just seemed like the only character who was kind of sane and had some kind of relatability. Yeah. I love it when he hugs him after that whole scene, and then he t- he t- he's like, Sir, you badly need mental help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I like the main, the main character's dad, especially for two scenes. One, when he was trying to play him that song on the piano, and he just kept interrupting him. Yeah. Um, and two... I recognize the actor for, for that, that dude, by the way. Oh, yeah? Who was yeah, that? he's in... Oh, fuck, what's the, um, the dad in? dad yeah it's in a program that i don't watch but i do recognize the guy <laughs> the other scene was when ed sharon first comes to his house and the dad's just like it's the middle of the night he comes out in a bathrobe and he's you know trying <laughs> awkwardly moving around ed sharon trying to find coffee and then and then uh, he when he finally finds it, he looks at him, he's like you look like ed sharon and then the guy's like i am ed sharon and he's like huh. <laughs> all right and then he just leaves. Yeah, that was quite good. <laughs> there, like, this is, I think, the the walk, the takeaway from this movie. Um, mm. And I think the most important thing is that the songs were good. It's not a very intelligent story, but it is, an, it, it's entertaining. With a, There's a few cringy moments in it that are kind of rough to get past. Um, yeah, and it ends with um, the uh, the company that he's working for they sue the shit out of him because he just released all the songs for free, which he doesn't actually have ownership anymore because yeah. uh, because they <laughs> they own the songs. Mm. And so he has to go into hiding for the rest of his life because he's an idiot. All right, yeah. go on. Well, no, I think that that's the main character's fucking moron. We've said that multiple times. Um, but it, it is... It's a sweet... I think there there is the, the weird love story that they have there. I mean, have you ever seen the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Nope. It's another movie that has kind of a, a weird story and a weird romance in it, but mm. I still find it oddly sweet. Um, we, we should watch that movie sometime for movie night, because it's, it's quite good. Mm. Um, also, mm? don't you just fucking love their upload speed to the internet for a whole album? <laughs> Yeah, the Wi-Fi, like, the Wi-Fi on that tablet was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> like, and they had a literal, just like the whole screen was just one loading bar. It's like, what program are they using? I gotta get that shit. <laughs> got BitTorrent on my fucking tablet. But they, yeah, the, the upload speed was, yeah, there's, the, whenever they put technology in movies, it's always something like that. Like, 
I love watching hacking in Hollywood movies because it's always yeah, like, let's slap on a keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> just face planting the keyboard repeatedly and it's just lines of code. Yeah. That's oh. the thing. I was, um, you know, like not too long ago I was watching um, the original Digimon anime. Mm. And some of the lines of code that Izzy types are actually like lines of code. Yeah, right. They don't make any sense. Because, but, but now I can read them, I'm like, I can... This is actually coding language, written horribly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, give the kid a break. He's like, what, 10 in that show? <laughs> He's writing HTML, and that's like changing the entire fucking world. <laughs> it's like... The entire Digimon right. universe is coded in HTML. <laughs> <laughs> it's like any CSS. It's just... It's just basic <laughs> it's just blocks. Basic HTML. <laughs> All right. We need to. We've gotten off topic, and I, I, I do feel like I need to explain that because not a lot of people are going to get that joke. Um, yeah, sorry. So it's not even a joke. That's literally. Well, it's it's a joke to anyone that does any kind of coding. So like, actual programming languages that allow you to do things are things like C plus plus or Java or Python or you know so, stuff like that, and it's quite yeah. complicated on the back end or can be. HTML is basically a way to tell like it's what tells it, it makes a website look pretty like essentially no, html isn't that css is makes it look pretty html is just the, the oh right yeah because you put CS, css plugins into h yeah okay i yeah. i haven't done html since college so yes but, but basically <laughs> it's not like a real coding language it's just like it's scaffolding essentially yeah it's okay. the coding equivalent of scaffolding it's it's what everything needs but it doesn't but it's really the very yeah. basicest thing yeah. yeah. It's the bread of the sandwich. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so summary of the movie, final thoughts from me. Um, protagonist is a moron. Music was really good. <laughs> Story is incredibly contrived and simplistic, but not unenjoyable to watch. It's If you can find this movie for free, or if somebody like has it and it's like, hey, we want to put something on, it's worth a look. Yeah, I would, I would quantify it as there's... I mean, several funny jokes, and if you like Beatles music, you're probably going to like it. Just don't look at the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> That's that. Um, but yeah, so now we're going to be moving on to a much more uh, prevalent piece of uh, media, or much yeah, more... Uh... 37 minutes into the into the recording. Yeah, no, no I, I'm, this is the outro, calm down. Um... <laughs> <laughs> a much more uh, high-quality piece of media, um, Morningstar, the third book in the Red Rising trilogy, which we'll be getting to in segment three. So I uh, thought you were going to start launching into the tirade about the other thing you've been watching the week. No, so. <laughs> no, no, no. I know we're, we, we, we filled up the whole segment talking about this, and I want I do want to get to Morningstar and hopefully get through yep. the whole thing this episode. So, All right, this is going to be the end of segment two of the Team CJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card, and we're back to the book review. This will be the last, uh, potentially the last, in a series where uh, Blue had me, well, got me to finally read the Red Rising trilogy, the original one. Um, quite a good sci-fi series that I've been thoroughly enjoying. We've already talked about the first two books, which are called Red Rising and um, Golden Sun, I think was the second one, right? I like how you're delicately referring to it as being not the only series. 
and you're like trying not to mention that there's a fourth book. <laughs> there are other books, and I can see why they di it didn't need to go on, but why people would have wanted to, because they, they built up quite an interesting universe over the course of the three books. Oh, yeah. And spoiler for the end of this, um, the, the book does have quite a good ending, I thought. Um, but without, because there's quite a bit to talk about, I'm going to see if I can fit it into one segment, but hmm. yeah, maybe it will split it in half like we did with the other two. So this, this book opens up where the last one ended. So if, uh, remember, the Golden Sun ends in absolute disaster. At the, at the hmm. peak of his success, uh, Darrow... Is at, have, the there's a triumph being thrown for him, and then, boom, an ambush. The Jackal leads some people with some other factions that are more loyal to the Sovereign, and uh, they slaughter everyone who's there, and they slaughter uh, the Augustans, the, uh, the guy who is... The guy who killed his wife, who he was working with, and then he wasn't working with, and then he ingratiated himself to... Yeah. What was his name? Caesar? Nero. Nero. Right, he was named after a Roman emperor. That that yeah. reminded me. Yeah, his name was Nero uh, Augustus, <laughs> or something like that. And uh, so he gets shot in the face by his own son at the end of the book. They, you know, they give him a box that's got. The, he was betrayed by the poet guy Roke. Um, you know, one of his other friends gets shot in the back, and she's like crawling to him, like begging him to like believe that she had nothing to do with it. Yeah, she gets like her spine shot. Yeah, by her own sister. Yeah. And, I mean, the um, sister was always a bitch, and she even thought okay. that. But like, oh yeah. But um, and then they hope that it ends with him like having a box open in front of him, and it's got the head of uh, Severo, his best friend's father, in it. Um, the guy who was actually Ares. Yeah, we should say not Severo. Severo's head was not in the box. Yeah, yeah the, the father of Severo. I said, I said his father. Um, yeah, it's because he said the head of Severo. It's a father. His father. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I said that quite poorly. Yeah, Severo's father, the guy who yeah. was um, actually secretly um, the uh, the leader of the the. I'm trying uh, what, what the sons of Ares, now. sons Ares, of Ares, and he was called Ares. Um, yeah. So he's dead, murdered by Cassius, uh, the guy who Darrow beat in a duel, who used to be his best friend at the academy, but then found out he killed his brother and then fucked him up. Um. And. So that's where the book ends. And this book opens up with Darrow, like, locked away in basically this, this dark cell that he can't really move around properly in. He's got tubes in him that are taking care of, like, nutrients and waste and everything like that. And he's basically, he's nearly gone insane from being tortured and then dropped into this isolation cube. Yeah, so there's, a, like, a literally the size of a coffin kind of thing that he's stuck in. He can't move, but they, he can't die either. Yeah. Uh, and it's pitch black. and it's implied that he's been in there for quite a considerable amount of time. But hmm. as happens, he can with... occasionally hear small voices. Yes, yeah, and he hears voices, and he, he's thinking he's going crazy, because um, he thinks that there are people talking to him. And anyway, um, it's not clear how long he's been in there, because you know when you're in isolation like that, you tend to lose track of time. Like that's what they I think. They... It's months. Well, they they reveal that, but oh, uh, what I'm saying is, from at this point, from his perspective, you, it's not certain. It could be months, it could mm -hmm. be days, it could be weeks, it could be years. Because um, people in sensory deprivation lose track of time without anything yeah. to actually orient to. Anyway, so he's finally taken out. 
Um, when he starts trying to kill himself, he finally snaps and he starts slamming his head against the stone thing, trying to kill himself. And so they open the, the thing, and it turns out he was being kept in a coffee table. Like, he was in a table in the Jackal's study, and um, in the room are one of the... What are they called? Harpies? The, the people who are that serve yeah. the Sovereign, her, her, like... She has, like, an Amazon guard, essentially, of, like, an all-female um, retinue of gold the, the guards. The mythical Amazon, not the, the shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. The, the mythical Amazon... The, the mythical female warriors, not the shopping site. <laughs> the holding box cutters looking very menacing. <laughs> so, she's there, and so is Cassius, and I think... Um, Broke is, I think, as well. Broke, and maybe Aja? No, Aja is uh, the name of the harpy. That's a, she is Aja. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also Quinn, I think, is the. Was it Quinn? No, or no. Quinn women? was the one that she killed. It was uh, Vic, Vic, uh, Victor's Victoria. sister. No, no. Victor was no, the Victor. one that got shot in the back. It was oh, okay. Victor's Victor sister. Got shot in the back. It was her sister. Uh, What's her, it starts with an A. Uh, I can't remember. I was about to say Augustus. Yeah, go on. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So it turns out that the jackal. Um, Astra? Maybe. It doesn't sound right. Anyway, so um, the jackal's there to like he's he's turning him over to the sovereign so that the sovereign can officially execute him or something like that or do something or dissect him or whatever to because they've found out that he's a red that's been you know cut and turned into a gold. It wasn't Aja. No, because I, I said Aja and Aja is the harpy. Oh, okay. She's the the bodyguard of the um, the sovereign. Yeah. Sorry, I, that's I what I said too because I was thinking Aja, but yeah. no, Aja's a different character. Um. Anyway, so they there's some dialogue between them. It's clear that the the they there's a bit of distaste for how he was treated. Cassius actually looks at him almost you know pityingly, um, even despite the the hatred that runs between the two. Well, not hatred, but bad blood. I guess you could say that runs between them. Yeah. Um, and they, they escort him down to be essentially processed. And he's being escorted by two greys. Um, greys being like the military and policing caste in this society, if you remember. And, Basically um, regular humans. Yeah, yeah. Greys, yeah, gray, I think, are, are the closest to regular humans of today out of any of them. Yeah, or I mean, reds... Reds are like... Reds are... They're, they're like stunted humans. Like malnourished, shorter, weaker. But they've got... Well, no, they're not weaker because they work in the mines. No, it's implied they're they're much weaker, but they're more dexterous. Okay. But they are implied to be like really short. Hmm. Talking like somewhere between like four and a half to five feet tall, like most of them. Whereas the average human today is like five five or five six for, or five seven. It's like between 5'5 five, five and 5'6, five, I think, is something like the global average, depending on if you're talking about men or women. Right. Um, but anyway, so they're escorting him down, and then he starts to panic and go like, oh, they're not going to take me and everything like that. And it's re Then it's quickly, it's revealed, like, <laughs> the greys almost have to put him down because they reveal that they're actually... <laughs> they're actually Sons of Ares agents. They're actually uh, people there to set him free. They've been sent by, you know, the, the Sons of Ares organization to get him out. Um, mm. And he doesn't believe them at first, so they have to make some kind of a super secret special call. Um, 
and it turns out Severo is now leading the Sons Varys now that his dad's dead. Yeah. And so they have a quick heart to heart, and Daryl almost breaks down because it's just such like he's finally out. He's, he's so relieved. Um. And as they're going out, a couple things go wrong. One, one of uh, the Jackal's people starts to get chatty and suspicious in an elevator that they're all in. And Darrow, like, they manage to subdue him and take him down. And um, under pain of death, they make, he reveals, well, first of all, he reveals kind of in a mocking way that Victra is there inside the facility too. And yeah, Daryl's like, yeah, and it's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta get her out too. And the yeah. Greys don't want to do it. They're like, we barely have time to get you out. There's not time for this. We don't, we have no plan. Uh, but he insists. And uh, what they do is they, with this guy, they use him to uh, open the door that she's in, and she's being tortured too. She's in like a plain, like very brightly lit white room that's constantly pumped through with like obnoxious static and noise and stuff. So she's yeah, being tortured like in a different way. The opposite of Darrow. Yeah, the opposite of Darrow. Like, he was sensory deprivation. She's getting sensory overload. And, like, her spine is still, you know, fucked up. Um, but, again, another point to emphasize how strong the golds are compared to normal people. Even crippled as she is, stuck in this cell, when the Grey tries to get near her, she panics and, like, punches her so hard that it, like, dents the Grey's armor and throws her against the wall. And um, I just thought that was a really cool scene. And so they, they eventually they stun her, um, like knock her out and take her out of the cell. And yeah. they're going to the leave. Go they're, yeah, the alarms go off. They're going to leave the, uh, the gold there in the cell and just let him live. And then he makes like one last sarcastic remark to Darrow. And it just he snaps and just goes like, OK, fuck this guy. And he goes back in and kills him. Yeah. Um, so they try to escape. Their original escape route doesn't work. The elevator they're in gets hacked, and instead of going down, it starts going up, and they know there's going to be a big contingent of people outside waiting for them. But the greys he's with are, like, special forces people. So they, like, toss out an EMP grenade. It wipes out all the high-tech weapons. And then they have, like, conventional, like, gunpowder weaponry, and they use that to just wipe the floor with the people who are waiting for them at the top of the elevator. Um... Bring an EMP in a lift. Yeah, you better hope there's some mechanical locks in there, right? <laughs> but yeah. Um, so they yeah, so they make it out. They make it out, and as they're trying to escape, they know that there's another escape point that they have to get out. And the two uh, the two Greys, there's a little bit of character building there. They're brother and sister. They're both special forces. They've been in for a long time, um, and uh, there's. While they're waiting, they realize it's going to be 10 minutes before their last escape route is going to come through, which isn't nearly enough time. So they're doing what they can to hold the bridge. They put, like, charges on the bridge to blow it up. Um, but too little too late, Aja and Cassius and them come out, and um, they, like, the, the one female Grey, she gets shot. Um, and then as her brother, who was sending the charges, is going running back, Aja, like, shanks him through the chest yep. with a razor. And there's this very tense standoff between Darrow and them and Cassius. And uh, it's clear that Cassius is like almost a broken man at this point. Like his honor is all he has left. Um, 
and so he de- like he doesn't even want to be doing what he's because he's lost most of his family in the last book and everything. Um, yeah. Darrow has this big standoff, and then he he seems to figure something out because the gray like says something to him and he realizes the escape route is actually below and behind them because they've put up a shield over top of the place so no one can come in from the air but what's actually happening is they've got reds drilling up from the ground um climb so he jumps off somebody with grab boots catches him there's a very harrowing escape scene and he wakes up like a day or so later heavily injured but in their their medical facility yeah with severo being a right creep <laughs> severo is always fucking creepy didn't Severo? yeah because he wakes up and severo has two eyes again yeah, yeah. and um it's it's quickly revealed that Se- like that darrow's old red eyes were still like being kept in a jar by the guy that turned him into a gold and severo had those eyes grafted into him and so he's like oh yeah they're 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 your eyes they should look familiar they're your, your eyes and then daryl's like has this almost look of disgust or something and so i was like do you want them back <laughs> he's like you don't want them back do you like panicking yeah it was he's like is it that's that's not weird is it and he's like yeah it kind of is several's just an awesome character in general he is anyway so this whole next sequence is Darrow kind of being reoriented to what's happened since he was out. Um, yeah, he gets initiated into the Howlers. That, that, that takes a little bit. Um, that, that's, okay. a, that's a bit later. So, he, um, he, first of all, they introduce the city, um, the city of Ares, which is this kind of unknown mine that officially doesn't exist, and they've been taking refugees from mines and stuff all over the place. Um, because uh, it's revealed that the Jackal, since he took over as Arch-Governor of Mars, has been much more brutal with the Reds than any of his predecessors. Like, if there's even a hint that there might be some dissent, he just gasses the mine. Yeah. And so they've, um, they've been kind of taking refugees from all over the planet, and they're all kind of gathered there. They're, you know, low on food, low on supplies, but they're still doing, like, hit-and-run tactics. And Darrow's family is there, um, it's it's revealed, so he gets to see them all again. His brother makes a reappearance, and his his brother's sons and grandsons and whatnot. Um, and so he's getting pushed around in a wheelchair, seeing everyone. Uh, Ragnar's there. And Ragnar's dad. Uh, wait, is Ragnar the dad? No, no, Ragnar's the uh, obsidian. Yeah, yeah, the the father. Oh wait, no, not Ragnar. Um, Telemannus. Oh yeah, 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 but. I don't think he's, he's getting there on well yet. with Dara's mom. He shows up later. He's not there yet. Oh shit! Sorry. But there is a very wholesome scene between Ragnar and Darrow's family. Like all the the grandkids and stuff are like, because keep in mind, obsidians are like, you know, two and a half meters tall. They're these fucking towering behemoths, yeah, and bigger Rag- than the golds, and the yeah. golds are way bigger than the reds. Yeah, and Ragnar's it's said is big for an obsidian. Yeah, <laughs> and so all the kids are like they're they're all climbing up and down him, and you know they they they're braiding his beard and stuff like that. it's it's a very yeah. wholesome scene. Um, so after all the catching up is done, and he then starts to learn about the tactical situation, and this is where he learns that um, Severo had released a video of them um, turning Darrow into a gold to reveal that yeah. he he actually is a red 
and that sparked like a whole bunch of Darrow's like pissed about this because that kind of throws a wrench in his original plans for how he was going to rally all the people together and inspire them and now that's not really going to work as well it's going to be harder to find gold allies because they know he's not a gold yeah um and so there's there's a, a little bit of that then this is what you were thinking of so oh also he has a little bit of a heart to heart with uh Victra like you know lets her go they do surgery to like repair her spine and everything like that Mickey the guy that turned him into a gold is is there they bring him in and he does all this reconstructive work on Darrow and her to get them back into peak physical shape honestly they should have they should have been a thing Victra and Darrow yeah yeah, I, I honestly I liked her a lot more than I liked Mustang. Yeah. Uh, he finds out, by the way, that Mustang is continuing the war that he started. Like her and the outer uh, outer planets are at war with the inner planets, Mars and Earth. Well, he's not seen her since he showed her to his home. Yeah, and she rejected. She's him. still not there, I think. Yeah, she's not there. No. But he, at this point, he finds out that she's continuing that war. He finds out mm. that she's way out with the outer planets, the outer, the moon lords, as they're called, and they're continuing yeah. like that war that was started with him. Moon lords is such a dumb title. It is, but I mean that that's what they are. Saturn <laughs> and Jupiter. God damn it. Um. So this is what you were thinking of then after they go through the physical reconstruction, everything. Him and Victra get. Uh, initiated into the Howlers because that uh, Severo's still got his elite fighting force, and now Darrow's sort of working for him um, because of the uh, because Severo's the one in charge. Darrow's still traumatized from being in the box, and he's still trying to reorient to everything, so he doesn't like take over the moment he comes back. Yeah. Um, they so they get initiated in the Howlers. Also, a very funny scene. Basically, what happens is they ambush them, him and Victor, in the shower. Uh, after they're finished working out, and then um, light a whole bunch of candles, turn the lights out, they make them both get, like, blasted drunk, and they have to eat a bunch of random, like, disgusting shit, and then they um, they have to do some kind of a weird ritual. Um, Pit Viper. Yeah, something... Do they have to... Do they eat it, or do they just have to kill it or something? I don't... I think they had to, like, kill it and then eat it. <laughs> It was something. It was some weird, gross thing that only several would have thought of. Yeah. Um, but they go through that, and so they're officially initiated. Apparently, um, Ragnar's a howler now too. Uh, which, yeah, he's got a massive cloak. Yeah, he's got a giant bear cloak because the wolf cloaks that the rest of them wear would not fit him. Yeah. Because he's a fucking giant. Um. Yeah. So that happens, and then they uh, there's a mission that they have to do. And this is what's been kind of announced. Uh, Severo has got a plan to get uh, to go to one of the moons of Mars and capture this guy who is uh, what the hell is this? Quicksilver, I think his name is. Yes, Quicksilver. He's this big like media and finance mogul. He's a silver, mm-hmm. um, which is they they are that that kind of class in the society. They're the people who are just below golds. Um, so that mission goes, they have to do this space thing, Darrow has some doubts about it, but he's not really in charge anymore, and there's a little bit of friction between him and Severo, because their, their roles have now been flipped, instead of Severo reporting to him. Yeah, for command. Yeah, but it's, it's very light in the early stages of this. 
so they assault the moon, or they assault the the manor that this guy lives in. Yeah. And something just doesn't feel right to Daryl. Like the place is dead quiet and empty. Like it's like there, there should be some people around. Like what's going on here? Um, yeah. And eventually they they go into the bedroom and they find uh, a pink uh, a dude pink who is in there and it's clearly like quicksilver's lover or something like that and Mm -hmm. severo and like is starting to beat him for information or something like that and that's what darrow stops him before he kills the guy and then then he realizes holy shit no this guy's a son of it he's the guy that taught darrow how to be a gold yeah and um so they stop before they kill him and they decide to take him with them and stuff like that and yeah then they, they finally like make... A, their... Like a key item in a quest, they kind of just pick him up and take him along with them. <laughs> you you have received, like, gay pink. Um, anyway. So they get to, um... They get to, like, the personal office for Quicksilver, right? And they figure yeah. he's got to be in there. They open the door, and this is when shit hits the fan. On one side of the table... So there's Quicksilver. Then on one side of the table, there's Mustang... One of the tele- the telemonises, the remaining ones, yeah. um, and like a couple other oh. random people, and uh, all of the Darrow's group are in like these heavy armored power suits, suits. Yeah, that you see, so you can't recognize anyone in them. Yeah, so they can't see them. They you know they can see them, but they can't recognize who they are. Then on the other side of the table is Aja, the personal guard of the Sovereign, Cassius, um, the guy who Darrow's got the blood feud with, that like was there when he escaped. And then, like, a couple other random, like, administrative people from her side of... So it's it's a negotiating table, like a secret negotiation between the two factions that are at war right now. And they've left out the Jackal from this negotiation. So it's heavily implied now that the Sovereign's, like, sick of this, like, sociopath and is trying yeah. to negotiate around I just, him. I just love the idea that there's this very important meeting and then a, a SWAT team busts in with a prostitute. <laughs> you know that... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It's just someone's just carrying him. Just riot shields, shotguns, rifles, and a prostitute. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, no, no, he isn't a prostitute. He isn't. No, no, he's he's no. like it, 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 they do re- like kind of reveal it later. He's he's actually Quicksilver's lover. But um, anyway, uh, so there's. There is that. I'm just thinking of that stupid FBI open up meme now. <laughs> um, God. Okay. So, very tense scene. Everyone draws weapons. There's a bit of a tense thing, and um, Severo is like, "No, we got to just take everyone out. You know, just kill everyone, grab Quicksilver, whatever." And Darrow's like, "No, I mean, come on, Telemonuses, Mustang, we can't do it to them." It's like, "No, there's there's more to this. That something isn't right here," and Severo literally mutes Darrow's mic so he can't talk to anyone. <laughs> it's the ultimate, like, Discord dick move. Yeah, he server mutes him. Um, and Darrow, so Darrow, desperate, just takes off his helmet so that everyone at the table can see who he is, and is trying desperately to stop things, but it, it's not meant to be, and a giant, like, firefight happens between the, the yeah. howlers and the, the people in the room. A bunch Mustang's of... actually trying to kill Darrow until, like, he doesn't take his helmet off until quite late. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, there's a big fight. Mustang's, like, got him up against the wall and has almost killed him, and then he takes off the helmet. Because he could he could have killed her, but it's like he doesn't want to. But he, he So he's trying desperately to defend himself and just talk to her. But So he finally takes the helmet off, and she sees who he is, and then, like, that's when she stops. And um, long story short, like, a bunch of shit happens. A bunch of the bronzes in the room get, like, crushed or, like, stepped on while they panic oh, and yeah. try to run away. Um they eventually what no so they eventually managed to you know Cassius and Aja get out of the room they 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 retreat they leave um Mustang is again fights until she sees it's Darrow then somebody manages to get a razor around the neck of the the Telemannus father like the the guy that has the fox named Socrates um that guy's awesome oh right yeah um, and so they, they th- using the threat of his life, they managed to cause the other Telemannus and Mustangs faction to retreat from the room as well. Yeah. They capture Quicksilver, who's, I think, knocked unconscious at this point. And then, uh, without any other way to do... Like, they're finally, um, Darrow and Severo have their, like, have, like, a big, like, you know, no, fuck you, I'm in charge, no, fuck you, I'm in charge, no, fuck you, I'm in charge... <laughs> And eventually Darrow kind of wins out on the charisma fight, and he, the Howlers, obey him over Severo, which yeah. Severo is not happy about. Um, but Darrow yeah. manages to come up with a plan. They, like, a bunch of other stuff happens. Like, they, they turn up the gravity in the room to try and stop them from leaving. They send in, like, a, an automated well, robot all, thing. Yeah, they cut the uh, air supply in the room and they send in robots. Yeah. So what Darrow does, like his plan is they they blow out the window and they get uh, one of their their gray pilot to like have a transport there with the door open like next to the space station. And so they get blown out the window and fly over into the ship. Um, And they they go in. They they don't have much air. Darrow's almost blacking out. But then they've got the, the gas masks on everything and Woo, they're saved. Yep. And they manage to get away uh, to wherever their secret hideaway is on... I think they're still on the moon, on Phobos. Or on a Probably. ship on a ship near Phobos or something like that. Because they haven't... three books, that's the one I've read the least because I always start afresh. Yeah. It's, it's somewhere that, um, like, they have a, a hideaway with the Sons of Ares, but they haven't gotten... Um, they they haven't gotten away clean yet because that's a that's a plot point that comes up in a little bit. Hmm. Uh, so there's you know a bit of a, a tense moment. There's a bit of like yay we we got it, but now there's a lot of awkward air between Darrow and Severo. Um, they go to interrogate uh, Quicksilver together. Or no no they don't. Severo gives Darrow an order. Um, Darrow tells somebody else to do that instead. And then him and Ragnar go and talk to Quicksilver. Right. I think it's Quicksilver. And they, they start to talk to him. Darrow finds something out, and I'm trying... He finds out that Quicksilver was actually a son of Ares. Not yet. He, he finds something else out first. Um, and I'm trying to remember what it is. But I don't... I, I can't recall. Anyway. Okay. So, um... Darrow and uh, Ragnar go up. They meet up with Severo again. There's another very tense moment. 
and Severo goes like, "Oh fuck this! We're just gonna we're gonna kill Quicksilver." Well, he finds out that that Quicksilver and Severo's father were like, "Not yet. They're about to find that out." Oh, because <laughs> they find it out when Severo's in the room. Okay. <laughs> what what happens first is Darrow goes and talks to him, and he reveals something that makes him want to go and talk to Severo. Right. And then Severo gets angry that Darrow went around him again and goes like, all right, fuck this. We're just going to you know, kill Quicksilver or torture him until we get the information we need. And then they go into the room and they, they go to start to interrogate him. Severo is talking. And then that's when Quicksilver is like, I was like, oh, my God, is that you? And he says Severo's father's name. Yeah. And um, Severo's like shocked, like because he's on a, a that he knew him and B that they were on a first name basis. Yeah. So Severo steps into the light, and um, he knows Severo by name, too. And that's when he reveals, he goes like, yeah, no, it's like, I founded the Sons of Ares with your father. Like, mm-hmm. and he goes into telling the whole story of how it happens. Like, they were business how partners. Severo was and, born, yeah. Yeah. And um, talks about how, like, the whole reason that is, you know, I think it's revealed it. In the, it they may have already gone over this in the last book, but. Yeah, they did. In the last book, it was revealed that Severo is half red because his father his fell mother. in love with a red, and and then they had her genetically modified so they could actually have kids, and yep. thus Severo. And so, when his father was working on wherever the remote place it was that he met his mother, that's when they, he met Quicksilver, and the two of them formed like a, a partnership for you know business and political purposes, and then eventually. Uh, his father kind of looped him into Quicksilver's thing. And Quicksilver's motivation for trying to topple the society was very pragmatic. It wasn't emotionally based. It was like, yeah, it's like innovation and financial and stuff is, is stifled because the golds, they got on top and they're just content to sit there and keep everything exactly how it is. And so there's no innovation. There's no new like financial, you know, innovation and, new technology and things i'm just using the word innovation over and over again um how innovative of you and so severo isn't really willing to accept this and uh darrow doesn't want him to kill and they have another falling out to the point where they, they go into the hallway and severo is going to like nuke the moon essentially because they've planted bombs all over phobos but quick, yeah. if they do that, it'll. Their, their plan was to disrupt like the economy and you know throw Mars into chaos to help them. But if what Quicksilver is saying is the truth, then that would they'd be horrible. Up, yeah, they'd lose their entire financial backing. Yeah. And so Darrow and Severo basically beat the shit out of each other in the hallway, and then have like a tear felt heart to heart. And Darrow realizes that the burden of being in charge was really, like, getting to Severo. Yeah. And he just he just couldn't handle it. And so... They have an anger fuck. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kick the shit out of each other, and then they, you know, they kiss and make up. Um, and everything's all better now. And now Darrow's back in charge. <laughs> that's, yep. the, that's the long and short of it. Um, so they go back up, and when they rejoin the bridge crew, they've got Quicksilver with them, and they're like, hey, we got a plan. We got a plan, boys. And, um... Uh, the, the next scene is just absolutely epic, and I think because of how long we've already been talking, that we may have to only. Well, I think we should get past the the ice part so that we can start the next part. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get to that. The ice part's probably going to go quick, but anyway. So their yeah. plan 
they call the jackal and tell him something and feign like they've got Quicksilver hostage, but not really. It's it's all a ruse to get the jackal to do something else. Yeah. And what they actually do then is Severo goes, you know, and starts to make chaos in around the moon. Meanwhile, uh, Darrow down on the planet um, makes his appearance as um, the Reaper. Like, so he's he's flying through the low colored districts. And he's showing off that he has, like, no sigils anymore. He doesn't have the gold sigils or the red sigils. He's completely... I, had... I can't remember if he had both or if he had neither. He had none. None at all. Okay, yeah. And so he gives some very, like, really, really rousing speech as he, he flies through the low-color district. And, um, like, you just, it's... You can see, like, people all around him, like, on all the screens watching him as it's being broadcast all over the moon. And hmm. they're just essentially sowing chaos and causing an uprising on Phobos. And all of this is so that Darrow can slip into a hangar <clears throat> and get a ship to go down to Mars to try and recruit all of Ragnar's people. Yeah. I, I think, seem to remember... Ragnar, this could be a different one, but he was, like, fighting in a comms tower? He was, yeah. So part of the raid was to, they had to take over a few comms towers, and one of the the people doing the raiding was Ragnar. And, and after he, like, he, took a whole squadron out in, like, a yeah. single minute. Yeah, with just him. Which, Ragnar <laughs> yeah. is such a fucking badass. He is. Honestly, all the big guys in the series are just badasses. Yeah, I'm thinking, like... My favorite Even people Oz in the series. Is badass. Yeah, she. I mean, she's a bitch, but she's a badass. Well, she's not even like she's not a bitch like Victor's sister. No, she. She. I guess Antonia. Antonia, that's her name. Thank you. But I mean, Aja isn't as sadistic as Antonia, but she does like murder Quinn in cold blood just to prove a point. Yeah, but I mean. Just saying. All's fair in love and war. <laughs> it, she is doing it for a purpose. She is she yeah. is doing her duty in that regard. But I think she gets a little bit too much pleasure out of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> I got a rough throat. Um, yeah, so... They get to the hangar, and after single-handedly taking a comms tower, Ragnar is, is meeting up with Darrow in the hangar, and he's just casually there, just like, oh, you know, what's... And they... they they, ha they share a little bit of banter. And as mm. they're about to leave in the shuttle, it's just... It's uh, it's supposed to be just Darrow, Ragnar, and the Grey, the surviving Grey that got him out of uh, prison in the Jackal's compound. Uh, she's their pilot. And they've got a bunch of weapons, and the idea is they're going to arm the, the Obsidians with all this cool New Age tech, and with Ragnar's help, they're going to inspire them to rise up and be their army. Because mm -hmm. only a very small percentage of the obsidians are taken up to participate in like warfare with the golds. The rest of them are left primitive. So if you could bring like a whole population of like fifty thousand obsidians, you'd have like a tremendously powerful army. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that happens as they're about to leave the hangar. Mustangs in the hangar, like standing right in front of the shuttle, like, and so they stop. Darrow and her have a bit of a chat, and um, she convinces him to let her come along. Um, and it's still it's still kind of tense. Like there's a little there's clearly some mistrust. They haven't seen each other since she left Darrow. Um, you know, 
sitting down in the in Lycos, the red mine where he grew up, uh, when he tried to confess, you know, what he was to her. And um, yeah, so she climbs in. They get in the shuttle. They manage to get out. There's already chaos. Severo's taken over ships in orbit, um, and it's all a cover so they can get down to the south pole of Mars. And at the, that's when that's where the because uh, it's it's clear that or that what they say is the polar regions of the planets are where the obsidians are living. Caps. Yeah, they're like that's why they give them like the Norse mythology as their religion. You know, to try and they're basically yeah, yeah. giant Viking people. And they've made all these mythological creatures to put in the water around them. So there actually are, like, krakens and griffins and all this fun stuff. Yeah. So they get down there, and as they're getting there, they realize that they're being followed. And then the ship that's following them starts firing on them. They take hits. They're damaged. They're, you know, they're potentially going down. Ragnar runs back into the back of the ship and, like... Again, Ragnar being a fucking badass... What? I just remembered... But it's not harpies, it's Valkyries. Valkyries are what Ragnar's people are called. Yes. I think you said harpies earlier. I, I did. Know. And I, I was talking about the honor guard to the sovereign, but they're not obsidians. Oh, okay, that's not harpies, though, because there's men in there. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, anyway. <laughs> I think Aja was one of the, the personal guards, but then she had people with her that were called harpies or something like that. I don't, it's, it's been a, it's been a few weeks. This is the problem with yeah. uh, talking about the book a few weeks <laughs> after I read it. Um, so they get shot down and again, Ragnar being the badass that he is, like, stands in the damaged ship and fires a fucking rocket launcher out of the back of the thing, unguided, yeah. and hits the other <laughs> ship following them. He's like, they're gonna, they know, they think they're gonna die, and so he, he just grabs a rocket launcher and says, And just Fuck fires you. it out the back of the ship. <laughs> He's such a fucking bamf. Anyway, so they all crash, um, they, they try to recover what equipment they have, they, they get people back together, they find Mustang being attacked by, like, a sea creature of some kind. Um, oh, yeah. they managed to all get out, recover some basic foodstuffs, get dry, get a little warm, and then yep. they decide to go and see if the other ship that attacked them is still intact or around, or if there's people in there that they can take hostage or that they'll have to yep. look out for. And sure enough, they get there, and apparently there are, like, obsidians that are, um, outcasts from the rest of obsidian society, and they, they're cannibals, essentially. Um, and so what you find is that they have the ship that crashed has been attacked by these obsidians, just like Darrow and them were. And those obsidians had uh, had started to cannibalize some of the golds on the ship because they believe they will become gods by eating the flesh of the gods. Yeah. And so that's. I mean, just imagine that you're in a you're in a pretty hellscape anyway. And suddenly, like, a group of pro wrestlers come and... Start eating eat you? you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's pretty... Well, that's not great odds. No. No, it's, it's pretty <laughs> fucked up. So they eventually do catch up with a few survivors from that shuttle, which, sure enough, it's Cassius and Aja. Yeah. And they're they're in a bit of a desperate str- uh, struggle with those obsidians. There's a giant, like, conflict between them on the ice. Um, and Cassius gets shot through the throat with a bow. Um, does by Mustang. By Mustang. Um, Aja and uh, Ragnar have this giant, like, fight. And Ugh. 
Yeah. This is where Ragnar finally finally bites it. Um, yeah. He like he he puts up a pretty good fight. She's like implied to be like the best swordsman in the whole society. Yeah. And Ragnar like is just a fucking badass as has been established, but he doesn't have the technique to deal with Aja. Yeah. And so he's she eventually using a sling, uh, not sling blade a um, razor. razor. Yeah. So she she like guts him. And um, Darrow and Mustang manage to finally beat their opponents and then drive her off, and she falls down a cliff. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like, oh, maybe she's alive, maybe she's dead, but she's not dead. Yeah. Uh, so they they find Ragnar, and he's like, he's he's dying very slowly because you that's you don't die quickly when you get a gut shot like that. And as they're talking to him, um, riders on griffins come down, and this is what you were thinking of is the Valkyries. Um, yep. It's, it's implied that the... Well, not implied, but it's stated outright that the Obsidians have a matriarchal society. Um, like a lot of tribal societies, like, women tended to be in charge. Um, they, the, the Iroquois Confederacy was like that. And, yeah, there's, there's a few other examples in history. Uh, yeah. But they, they are. So, it's, so the, the women are like the, head, the hegemons of the Obsidian society. The hegemons? Hegemon, yeah. Have you ever heard of the word he- Hegemony. No, oh. I'm just thinking of Digimon now. No, Hegemon. <laughs> Hegemon is like the, the top, the supreme leader, the people in charge. Right. Okay. So Margaret Thatcher comes down on a bird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they they come down. It's actually Ragnar's sister. Hmm. And um, who hasn't seen him for like for ages since they were children? Right, and they're they're still very religious. They still think the golds are like gods in the society. Mm. Ragnar is the one who's like been told otherwise by Darrow. Um, so she she um, she talks to him, and there's a bit of a heart to heart between them. She doesn't really say much, and um, she puts an axe in Ragnar's hand so he can die as a warrior. And Ragnar, you know, puts it down and with one hand grabs, like, the snow and with the other hand, like, grabs his sister's hand and he's like, and he, his last words are something like, it's like, no, no. You know, he's like, promise me you, you need to live for more or something like that. It was, he's like, just yeah. he's he's t- he's trying to tell her to, to break away from, you know, her preconceptions. Break the chains. Yeah, they break the chains, the line that they always use. Um, so I think I'm gonna wrap we wrap up this this kind of sequence, yep. and then we'll get to what happens when they interact with the obsidians in the next part because we have been talking for a little over a half hour now. Um, but yeah, so at this point in the book, like the the first half of the book really heavily focuses on really focuses heavily on on Darrow um, recovering, like mm. his trauma catching up on all the stuff that's happened while he's been in isolation and then him slowly you know re-emerging as himself lots of emotional moments more yeah. than fighting moments and it's honestly the, one of the most satisfying portions in the first half of the book is when he's flying through the low color districts giving that rousing speech because you you start to feel oh yeah he's back yeah <laughs> he's not back tip-top shape but he's but, but he's back. In spirit, he's back. Yeah. He's still got, like, the mental scars and the physical scars from everything that happened to him. 
but yeah. in spirit he is he's back like he's got the old fire back in him hmm. and um yeah and we're getting to the part which the middle of the book does get a little dry and dull when they're in rag the the, the viking place with ragnar's people I don't know what, what it was about it. It's a scene that should have worked in every way possible because it is badass. And, like, the, the obsidians have been talked up as these crazy, awesome people so far. But the whole sequence in the book is just kind of... It feels like a speed bump. Yeah. But we'll get by next time. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the first half of the book. Great series. I, I loved reading it from start to finish. And it does have a good ending, so we'll look forward to that. Any final thoughts before we close out the episode? Uh, probably going to try something new for the uh, third episode next. Third episode, third segment next week. Oh yeah, uh, that's uh, look forward to that. I know I am. Yeah, that that is a point. We we won't be doing the second half of this book review until probably episode fifty six. So next week, episode fifty five, we're going to be trying out something new and interesting that Blue has thought up. So yeah, look forward to that. Anyway, this is going to be the end of episode 54 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again next week. Woo, TV!